0: Wonderful song. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4 tonight. Philippians chapter 4. I love to watch Brother Larry Reimer's expression when something goes wrong with the sound. Most of the time he throws up both hands. Because he wants to prove to me that he didn't do it. Amen. It was the devil that did it. Amen. But that was a good song. Praise God. Amen. Now he's really praising God back there. Amen. Never forget one time. Uh, we were having a bonfire out back, uh, and uh, Brother Randy was preaching on Ruth. And uh, I, the bonfire was lit, and he went on and on. He covered the whole book of Ruth in about two hours. He's supposed to take 30 minutes. And um, uh, I was back in the sound room, and I started going like this. He thought I was praising God, and so he kept on going. What I was saying, hey, the fire's going out, buddy. Cut it short. <laughs> but he didn't. He just kept on preaching. Woo! Man, it's good, though. Amen. I, I hope they, he lit some fires in here. Amen. All right, Philippians chapter 4. The last two weeks, I've been preaching on the stewardship of life. And um, I've been really enjoying it, and especially the second message, or well, the first message on sanctity of life. And then the. the um, uh, second message is on sanctification of life. We're set apart for His glory. That's bottom line, you're not here for yourself. You're here for His glory. You were created for His glory. You're sustained for His glory. You were saved for His glory. And we ought to serve for His glory. So He sanctified them. In the high priestly prayer of John 17, Jesus said they're sanctified through the truth. And then the next verses, 18 through about 21, He said, I've sent them out just like you sent me. And that's the key, is we've got to be set apart. We live in a wicked, wicked world. Uh, They've already arrested 33 people and rescued four girls in Atlanta for sex trafficking. Uh, These perverts that capture these girls and then sell them out at activities like the Super Bowl is despicable. It makes you want to go down there with a Louisville slugger and clean house. Amen? But you can't do that. Uh, You just have to pray for them. And uh, they've arrested 33 already and rescued four precious girls. I don't know what country or whatever. But um, that's sad. That's sad. You can't even have a Super Bowl without perverts uh, trafficking young girls uh, for the pleasure of some perverts. And that's why I preach so hard Sunday night, is that, folks, we live in a wicked day. We live in an world with no morals, just no, none at all, and uh, we must be lights, and we must be a testimony, and folks, if the salt is lost its savor and the lights blink off and not set up on a hilltop, then the world's going to go straight down. We must be consistent, and that's what life's all about. But tonight, I want uh, uh, to preach uh, to sum up this uh, stewardship on life on how to find satisfaction, in life satisfaction in life first of all I want you to notice and and it's kind of good artwork on this first one I found is the only one who can satisfy a human heart is the one who made it and so if you're trying to find some filler in your life for the hole that's in your heart God put in your heart a need for him and a need for holiness and a need for um, fellowship with him uh, and sin ruined it all, Adam and Eve can testify to that. But I want you to see in Philippians chapter 1, and I'll read and preach and read and preach, so uh, don't, don't stand, just, uh, just listen. But in verse 1 through 4, we see that unity brings satisfaction. Unity brings satisfaction. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, Philippians chapter 4, uh, dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown. Now notice the attitude of the Apostle Paul towards these church church members at Philippi. He said they were his joy and his crown. You're my joy and you're my crown. I'll have to answer to God uh, for this church. And that's an awesome, awesome thought that I'll have to answer for this church as the shepherd. You'll have to answer for yourself, but you're my joy also. When you're faithful and when you produce spiritual fruit, there's nothing more rewarding to a pastor than your faithfulness. It says, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech ye, Eudysus, U- and I beseech ye, Syntesis, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Now here's some problems. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellows, help those women which labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with others my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. And then look at this next verse, I love it. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, Rejoice. Let's pray before we get into the study of how to find satisfaction in your life. Father, thank you for this good attendance tonight, and I thank you, dear God, for uh, this place that we can come meet. Lord, we thank you for your word. We're excited about preaching tonight and teaching uh, how we can find fulfillment and contentment in life. There's so many people. That are just discontented. Lord, sin's running their life. Um, Selfishness is in the way. And God, they just, it's all about them. Lord, I pray that many who get saved that are trying to find fulfillment in this world. Lord, I don't know how many people will crowd into Atlanta this weekend looking for excitement, looking for joy, some looking for sin, has already been noted. But God, the only place to be is with you and in your will. So, Lord, dear God, help us to realize what it's all about, how to find contentment and satisfaction in life, and it's through you. and We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, number one, we see in verses 1 through 4, <clears throat> verses 1 through 4, that unity brings satisfaction. You know, we need to learn to love and forgive people. You know, uh, one guy told me, he said, I'd loved." I'd love the ministry if it wasn't for the people. Well, you have no ministry unless there's people, amen? And so we need to love people, and God will give you a love for the ministry. But Paul loved his people. He he called them his joy and his crown. But in verse 2, he says, I beseech you, and he named their names, my goodness. That would run a preacher out of town today, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. In other words, they were not, they were clashing. Uh, there was some disunity in the house of God, in the work of God. Because look at verse 3. <clears throat> it says, and I entreat thee also, yoke fellows. Uh, help them, uh, help those women which labor with me in the gospel. Now the word yoke fellow means, it's a picture of a, being yoked up. Jesus said, um, uh, all you that are heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly. And folks, it's a picture of two oxen and a double oxen, or maybe many oxen in a in a yoke, and they're yoked together. And so we need to realize that <clears throat> there's more going on here than meets the eye. Yoke fellas means we have a <clears throat> ministry of cooperation. We have a ministry of toleration. We have a ministry of forgiveness. You're never more like Jesus than when you forgive. And I want to tell you something, friend. I've learned over the years, if I'm going to remain the pastor of this church, I've got to learn to forgive. I've got to learn not to be bitter. I've got to learn not to get so hurt that I take it out on the whole congregation. And some preachers do that. They shoot the choir every morning, and the choir didn't do anything. It's the people that left that hurt him. Uh, I, I need to realize that I need to be uh, the kind of, laborer that is faithful for, with those that are not faithful. And that's hard to do. You know, you set the pace and you try to go the second mile, which I've always tried to do as far as visitation and, and the ministry. Um, it, some people just don't get it. They don't follow. And you can almost say, I remember one time Steve Sparks, a tremendous, compassionate preacher, he preached here. And I remember he preached a message on a Tuesday night in August on serving God the easy way. Y'all remember that message. That was about. That was right after the Confederate War, I think. It was a long time ago, 20 years ago at least. And uh, he was a great soul winner. You know what he's doing today in Lawrenceville, Georgia? He's selling used cars. He's making good money because he he sells these real nice used cars. But I want to tell you something. He's called to preach, and he I, and I asked him, "Why did you quit? Why did you resign?" He says, "Because nobody would go soul winning. He got mad at people not going because he'd go go all the time. And he'd go with tears and he'd go with compassion. Tremendous soul winner. And now he's out of the ministry. And so we need to realize that satisfaction comes from the Lord, not from others. And satisfaction comes when you keep your focus on Jesus. And I'll get to that in closing. But look at verse 4. I'm not there yet, but I want to be. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. He's talking about attitude here. He's talking about we ought to rejoice in the Lord when, when things are going bad. We ought to rejoice in the Lord when people mistreat us. And that's what happened in verse 2. I believe Paul took this personally, that his church was fighting each other and not getting along. And the Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And I believe what that is, that's an admonition that you can rejoice even in the midst of trouble. We're the only people that cry and smile at the same time because we always have hope. We always have hope. And folks, we ought to rejoice in the Lord. We can't rejoice physically. We can't rejoice emotionally. Uh, The charismatics have this thing, just praise God anyway. But I believe, folks, it's not uh, shouting it out and speaking in tongues trying to escape from your problems. It's just having a peace and a contentment and a determination and a faithfulness in the midst of the problem. Because there's sometimes you'd be faking it if you were shouting. Because you don't feel like shouting. And I think we well, ought to shout when we don't feel like it, but I don't believe that's what this rejoices is talking about. I think it's talking about a deep-seated contentment of knowing that you're in God's will. And a focus on Him. Rejoice in the Lord. In the Lord. There's the key, it's in the Lord. We can't rejoice in sin. And we can't rejoice in each other because sometimes each other lets us down. But I'll tell you what, there's one that never lets us down. And then number three or two, we ought to be thankful. And thankfulness brings satisfaction. Uh, Look at verse 5. It says, let your moderation be known in all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. That actually means don't worry about a thing. How many of you are warriors? Don't raise your hand. Because most of you say, well, I'm just concerned, I'm not worrying. Well, sometimes I worry. Uh, I'm worried about this flight. I shouldn't be, but I don't like flights. I don't like long flights. And um, I, I, I was thinking about uh, what would I do if some of those traffickers are on that plane on that second day and I see a little girl that needs help. I'm going to stir things up. I just, you know, I have wild imagination. You know, I'm going to try to rescue the girl that's being kidnapped by the Saudi Arabians. You know, that's where I'm going. And, I, you know, I said, that's the craziest thing I ever heard of. But I tell you what, friend, uh, just trying to get th- these sweet cereals through customs, I could be worried about it. I mean, she had all these kind of things, and, man, I've sampled them. They're really good that she's got for Addie and got for, uh, for Emily, and they've got their orders, and Emily wants us to smuggle in Diet Dr. Pepper. I, can't, I said, oh, my, smuggle it in, put it in a carry-on. I said, what in the world? You know, and so I'm, I'm going to be going through customs smiling and praying. So, oh, goodness, they're going to bust us for Diet Dr. Pepper, you know. See, <laughs> uh, so we can worry a lot, eh, Amen. Miss Ms. Burnella knows what I'm talking about. She's been through a lot. She's an experienced traveler. And, and when you get to the customs, you just start smiling by faith. And you look like nothing's wrong. But you're smuggling Twinkies in. You're smuggling uh, sweet cereal in. You're smuggling Diet Dr. Pepper in the country, amen. And they don't like that. Because they don't have it there. They don't want you to smuggle it in. But we're going to smuggle it in. I think it's the will of God. But anyway, we need to rejoice in the Lord and be thankful. Be thankful. Some people whine about their homes. You ought to thank God you got one. Some people complain about their cars. You ought to thank God you got one. I was down in Calhoun enjoying myself yesterday in that three inches of rain uh, that canceled everything. And I thought to myself, man, I hope I get back home because my car started skipping and, I mean, missing. And thank God I got it to Brother Gary before it just totally collapsed, and it was just something simple. It wasn't wasn't simple to me. I said, this this thing's gone, this is it. My 2007 is biting the dust, and uh, now it's running probably like a charm. But I want to tell you this, friend. You need to rejoice in the Lord, but you need to let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand, and that doesn't mean anything about the second coming. That means he's near, and I'll give you Hebrews 13, 5 in just a minute, but be careful for nothing. How many times do we run tomorrow worrying about it today? And so therefore we run today worrying about tomorrow. Come on. You know it's the truth. We can't change tomorrow, but we're going to worry today about tomorrow. So both our days are shot. It don't make a lick of sense to worry about 96% uh, of the things you worry about won't come true. And the 4% that does come true, you couldn't change anyway. So why worry? I'm not talking about being flippant. I believe you ought to be concerned. I believe you ought to do something about some things like evil and and darkness. You ought to be a light. You ought to invade Satan's territory with confidence and go soul winning. But folks, don't worry. Worrying is a sin. It's a sin. Because what you're saying is, I've got to handle this. Lord, you can't handle it. Because if you really believed he could handle it, you'd put it in his hands. So you're going to handle it. And so, folks, I believe it's hard to be concerned, especially you mamas for your children. Uh, there's nothing that uh, a mama wouldn't do for a child. Uh, my wife is going through some terrible health problems, and I want to tell you something. She is not even admitting it because of next Monday's trip. I mean, she can't hardly walk today. And she, I said, are you still going? I said, we got insurance. We can cancel this thing. I was trying to get out of it. No, not really. And um, I love getting there. It's just the it's just trip. But she said, no, no, I'm fine. And I could tell she's lying through her teeth. She ain't fine, But a mother's love, a grandmother's love, she would walk if she had to. She would take a ship over there. Amen? And so I'm delighted I can be a part of it. And they preach me to death. And I mean, four or five times a day, ain't no break at all. Uh, and uh, Brother um, uh, Mark's breaking in Count Rhino with me, I think. Praise God. We got men's retreats. Couples retreats and oh, glory. Dedicating church, that's wonderful. But i want to tell you something, friend. I don't need to worry about it. and You don't need to worry about it. And folks, there's nothing that God can't take, take in his hands and bless. And it says, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. That's the key word I want to give you. Thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then the peace of God, I added the then, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Circle the word keep. That word means garrison or guard. And I don't know about you, but I need it. I need to guard my heart. Because my heart gets cold sometimes. And I'm not talking about physically either. My heart gets callous sometimes. My heart gets crowded sometimes. Say so Amen. And my heart gets cold spiritually sometimes. And I have to guard my heart with the peace of God. But, folks, the way you do it is you don't worry about it, but you kneel in prayer and you thank God for it. When's the last time you thank God for problems? When's the last time you thank God when somebody mistreated you? That's a spiritual person. When you say, Lord, thank you for allowing this in my life, you're trying to teach me something about. My attitude, my heart. Because you can't change how people treat you, but you can change how you react to how they treat you. Say so, amen. We want to take it in our own hands and worry about it and get anxious about it. And we want to correct it. But folks, I want to tell you something. The Bible says we ought to pray and we ought to be thankful and we ought to let our quest be made known to God and then the peace of God will, that passes all understanding shall keep, garrison, guard your heart. And minds through Christ Jesus. I want you to notice the word mind. And I believe, folks, third of all, the way to have satisfaction is to have purity of thought. The Bible says, I want you to turn with me to Isaiah 26, 3, even before I read verse 8. Isaiah 26, 3. Every person in this room ought to memorize this verse. I'm serious. This would be a great memory verse. And I believe it's a verse that we all need to memorize and actualize, and prayerize, and live. But the Bible says, Thou will keep him in what? Perfect peace. Isaiah 26, 3. I'm going to wait on you. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. I like that perfect peace. The world gives peace, it's not perfect. It says, whose mind is what? Stayed on thee. I want you to look at the word mine. Because he trusteth in thee. Look at verse 4, trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah, that's capital J-E-H-O-V-A-H, is everlasting what? Strength. Amen? And so folks, listen, we need to keep our mind on who God is. We need to keep our mind out of the trash bucket. And we need to keep our mind out of the gutter. We need to keep our mind out of the uh, things that corrupt our Thinking, and folks, the word thinking means attitude. Have you ever seen somebody get a sorry attitude? I mean, I've had to deal with my children. Uh, I've had to deal with myself. I've had to deal with members. They just get an attitude. It don't matter what you do. Their attitude is just rotten. I mean, it's it's just like, hey, you can can be friendly if you want to, but I've got an attitude that I'm not going to be friendly with you because you hurt me. Well, I didn't do it on purpose. If I did it on purpose, you'd know it. Amen. But I want to tell you something, friend. We need to watch our attitudes. Say amen. And we need to realize that God did not entitle us to go around and be grumpy and mad and sad and blue and down and out. Because what it does, it drains us of our usability. Now, here's the verse I want you to see. Finally, brethren. Notice he has about 20 more verses after that, so he had to be a Baptist. In closing, brethren, he said, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Garbage in, garbage out. Gospel in, gospel out. God in, God likeness out. And so, folks, it's very important that we listen to the right kind of music. It's very important that we watch the right kind of TV. You know, there was a movement about 20 years ago where preachers preached against TV. So hard that people went out and threw them in the river. The TV stores were excited about that because it lasted about two months. And here they went and got another TV. They just didn't let nobody know it, you know. I'm not saying go throw your TV in the garbage but I believe that we need to use the remote control for the right reason. Amen? How many, how many of you control the remote control in your house? Raise your hand. Look at all these men, okay? And, of course, Brunella and Miss Lois, they ain't got nobody else to control the, the remote. Amen? But uh, we men have something about this remote control. We're going to control it. Amen? My wife, she's a hallmark addict. Now, that's a good, you know, somebody preached against that the other day. I said, how could they? Those good love stories always end with a kiss. I don't, you know, what's wrong with a Hallmark movie, you know, Christmas movie? And they're all the same. It's some lady that's gonna go home, but she changes her mind and stays there because she falls in love with Prince Charming. It's every it's the plot of every one of them. Amen? If you'd really want to sum it up, she, she lives in another place, she's there, she falls in love, and she decides not to go back to her career, not to go back to her house, not to go back to her family, and stay there with Prince Charming. Amen. Did I sum it up? Did I sum it up? I'm preaching now. Hallelujah. Amen. But folks, there's nothing wrong with that unless it takes your devotion time. Amen. Unless you get evil about it. I don't know how you can find evil with that. You might could. I don't know. And some of, some of you are going to come up and find fault with it, I guarantee. Well, I'll tell you what's wrong with it, you know. You know what's wrong with it? You ain't the man of the house, and you can't watch your ball games while she's watching it. That's, that's what's wrong right there. Amen. You can't change the channel. I know what you are, wimp. But anyway, listen. <laughs> it's easy for me to say. I watch them all the time. But anyway, whatsoever things are just, folks, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely. And I'm gonna tell. You, I'm just gonna sum this up. That's scriptural things. That's scriptural music. That's Jesus. Hey, rejoice in the Lord always, and again in the Lord. Okay, well, you need to think on the trueness of God. You need to think about the truthfulness of God. He is the truth. You need to think about how just he is. He's God. And when everybody else treats you unjustly, say, well, God, you're not treating me that way. And just because my sister uh, offends me, I'm sure not going to turn on my father. That don't make a lick of sense. Say, amen. Somebody hurts you, that ought to be the more reason to be faithful. That ought to be the more reason to, to love your father. It's not the father's fault, but I've seen people quit church over that. I mean, hundreds of people, maybe thousands in 41 years. So, well, she hurt my feelings, he hurt my feelings. I'll go find some other place to get hurt. And there's always a cloud of doom over you. What you got to do is get out from under the cloud and get under Christ. You some one person said well uh, how are you doing well considering uh, under the circumstances well why are you under the circumstances be under Christ amen. we're not supposed to be under the circumstances but it says this whatsoever things are lovely I love that I love that song uh, what a lovely name the name of Jesus I know it's probably gospel song and nobody likes it but I like it because it reminds me of the lovely name of christ and then whatsoever things are good report folks i want to tell you something i got 1500 years 44 different authors and 66 different books that gave me a gives me a good report of jesus gives me a good report of god he's never let his people down he's never forsook them and folks it says if there be any virtue there's nothing more virtuous in character than christ and if there be any praise, think on these things. Look at verse 9. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. And so the Bible says that you can pray with thanksgiving and have the peace of God. Folks, the Bible says you can have the presence of God and His peace by thinking on Him, meditating on Him. That's the key to success, Joshua 1.8 or nine those things which you have both learned and received, and you think on, and you meditate on, and you worship, do. See, it's action that follows attitude. So attitude messes up your action, and your reaction, and your transactions. All your action is polluted by wrong meditation. Psalms 1 and Joshua 1 talk a lot about the success and prosperous life of God. Right meditation. Now I'll tell you what, I could qualify for those jaybirds that sit on the sidewalk with no hair and they sit there and they meditate. Those hairy Krishnas, they ain't got a bit of hair. Amen. You know, they just sit there mmm and uh, humming and I'm going to the Middle East in a few days and they're they're full of meditation to the wrong God. We need to meditate on the Word of God. That means memorize it and, and pray it and sing it and receive it but then obey it. And so purity of thought will bring satisfaction in your life. And why are so many people unhappy? Why are so many people sad? Because they're thinking wrong. They got some attitude from the world. That's why you got to watch who you put, what class you put your kids in to get a philosophy. A philosophy means a, a, an attitude of life. You've got to watch it, they'll pollute them. I mean, I had, a, I had a perfectly good son that went to Valley Point Elementary School, and he got polluted. He turned out to be a Tennessee fan instead of a Georgia fan. <laughs> I mean, I can't break him. He wears orange all the time. He calls me up and says, hey, who's number one in basketball, Daddy? I said, well, it, it, I'm glad they're number one in basketball because they were number nothing in ba- football. Amen. Amen. And we'll go on and kid each other and you know we love each other and he wears orange and I wear red and black. But he got, I don't know what that coach did but he sold him on that school. There's a little guy named Gary somebody, I don't know what his name was. And I thought to myself and I'm just joking but a lot of people leave these schools with an attitude that God's not real. God's not right. God's not just. I'm so excited that the one of the dear science teachers down at Valley Point let me come in and Brother Tony and Brother Jason many, many years and have Bible Club. and We'd pack it out. I mean, there would be no room in that science lab where they taught evolution. And we'd praise God. and Man, we made an influence in that school. Valley Point Elementary School, it was more than a green wave. It was a holy wave because of that Bible Club. We call it a Bible Club. It was stirring. It was wonderful folks listen watch your thinking and watch your purity of thought then number 2 the presence of god brings satisfaction i want you to turn to psalm 16:11 psalm 16:11 i want you to look at this verse it's a promise from god folks his presence makes a difference can somebody say amen I mean, folks, that's why you ought to sing songs about him in the shower. You ought to sing songs on the way to, on the way to work. You ought to sing songs about him. And you ought to have a meditation and, and, a, and, a, and a joy about him. And then that he, he inhabits the praise of his people, so he's there. I mean, you're going down the road horn-cussing people and griping and complaining and, and fed up with everybody and want to kill somebody because they cut you off. Or do you want to go down the road saying he is God and God alone? He's unshakable. He's unchangeable. It's my favorite song. Somebody told me it was a whirly song, but I don't care. It's a good good, 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 good message. And sometimes I'll just put it on loud as I can. I mean, I've got four speakers in my home office. I just blast it. My wife can't watch Hallmark then. I'm just singing, he's God alone, amen. And it helps me. Meditate on the message of the song And folks look at this It says in 1611 He says thou will show me the path of life I'm going to sum up this whole series With that, that phrase He'll show you the path of life You can live a life Or you can just endure one Aren't you tired of this Wasting your life in sin And then there's some people Sitting in the middle of the church That's wasting their life in sorrow I mean, they got a sorry attitude towards everybody, and that's sad. But it says, "Thou will show them path of life." Listen, in Thy presence is fullness of joy; at Thy right hand, their pleasures forevermore. There's pleasures. You want satisfaction? Find out what pleases God, and stop trying to please yourself. Amen. I'm not. am not. I'm not too good a pastor when it comes to babying people. Baby. And coddling people. I've lost some people because of that. I just want baby people in their babiness. It's time to grow up and be spiritually mature. Now, I'll try to be patient. I don't think you can accuse me of not being patient. But I want to tell you something, friend. The Lord wants us to realize we're in a warfare. And we cannot go AWOL. And we have to fight the battle when we don't feel like fighting the battle. And we need to send prayer support of prayer to our fellow laborers, our yoke fellows, our fellow soldiers. And folks, it's a warfare. When's the last time that you couldn't handle a problem on your own? And you had to call on God to give you help in the time of need. And so folks, it's, if you'll receive it, and, and, and it says those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, exampleship. Do, and the God of peace shall be with you. That sums sums it up. Uh, There's there's satisfaction in the presence of God. Then also there's satisfaction in the priority of the Lord. Look at verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord. We're back in Philippians 4. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, and now at the last your care of me has flourished again, wherein you were not careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatsoever state that I am therewith to be content. There's the word, content. I know both how to abase and how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to be abound and to be suffer, and suffer needs. If you'll read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he went through a terrible, terrible time. Stripped, beat, shipwrecked stoned hey friend he was scourged more than our Jesus was and he could write a book like this after that he was naked destitute and his own people turned on him he said his own church went into sin in Corinth. but he said I've learned to be abased I've learned to abound in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry both to be abound and suffer but look at verse 13 I can do all things through Christ with strength in me. He said, I can get through it. I can bear it. I can still magnify Christ. I can do all things through Christ with strength in me. Here's the priority. Notwithstanding ye have well done that ye communicate with my affliction. They sent him a love offering. This is a, this is a thank you letter to a missionary church. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed to Macedonia, no church... Communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. And it says, For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again into my necessities, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. That's a missionary thank you letter. But look at verse 18 and 19. Don't claim this out of context. But it says, But I have all in abound. I am full, having received of Ephroditus the things which I'll sent from you. An odor, sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Had Wes Gasway call me, text me this afternoon and says, thank you for the $1,000 the church sent me. It's on my account. and We're going to purchase that land for that new church because y'all gave. And he was so grateful. He says, and please have a good service, and I'm still praying for the lady that walked the aisle that got saved and the little girl that got saved the same night. He was so thankful. Why? Because our offering was like a sweet smell of sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But then here's verse 19. This is a promise to the missionary church. It says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, you want to have a satisfied life? Learn to give your life. Learn to minister. Learn to uh, realize that you're not in this life for yourself. That's spoiled. You can be a spoiled brat being 42 to, to 62 or to 102. You can think it's all about you, but it's not all about you. It's all about Him. And when God gives you that priority of souls for eternity to reach and you start giving, Paul promises us, that God will meet your need according to the riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Don't take it out of context. Folks, the, the, the priority of the Lord brings blessing. He will meet your needs when you give. You ought to learn to give, to get, to give. You, never, you should never give, to get. That's let's make a deal. God's not some genie that you... God, God, it's not let's make a deal It's give to get to give Give to get to give It's the cycle of grace God, Your life is not your own The stewardship of life is that God created you For a purpose And that purpose is to glorify God By giving your life a living sacrifice unto Him What a life. And so folks he said But my God shall supply all your needs According to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus so God's provision brings satisfaction you need to learn to trust God let me close real quick the key verses on this is Exodus chapter 20 verse 17 that's it this is the key verse now the last verse the last commandment deals with your attitude and my attitude look at Exodus chapter 20 i want to show you this in closing We've got about five minutes. The Bible says this in Exodus chapter 20, and I want you to look at verse 17, please. The Bible says this. Thou shalt not kill, verse 13. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. But look at verse 17. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Folks, the last commandment is that you ought to not covet. Folks, you ought to be satisfied and content with what God has given you. And so covetousness has has an appetite that's never satisfied. You know, some people are never happy because they don't have as much as somebody else. Children try to get what the parents worked for for 30 years and 3 years and they go so far in death, they'll never get out. That's crazy. But they got to stay up with the Joneses and the Joneses refinance. That don't make a bit of sense. And then also I want you to notice this, is that Deuteronomy 8.18 says he gives you the power to get all that you got. There's nothing wrong with ambition, but I want to tell you something. James 1.17 says every good and perfect gift coming from above. So if you're, if you're discontent, it's because you, you're feeling like God's holding out on you. Put God first; He'll meet your needs, not your greed. Number, number three. Uh, in summarizing it, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Not the love, not money, but the love of it. Some people just live for another buck; they just live for money. And folks, there's nothing wrong with having money, but there's something wrong with money having you. And so, folks, we need to realize that we need, the love of riches is that's what's wrong. And then. Our total satisfaction is going to come from James, uh, Psalm 17, Psalm seventeen eleven. is when we're going to be totally satisfied. It says this. It says, as for me as I will behold thy face in righteousness, I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Hey, when you get to heaven, you're going to be like him totally. And it's going to be a satisfying place. You know what I feel sorry about? some people are so unhappy in this world then they die and go to hell Then they'll be happy and they thought they had it bad here but when they go to hell they're going to find out how much they had it good and they could have got saved let me just close by saying this there's a proper perspective there's a proper perspective to make you feel satisfied what is that? number one I'm going to give it to you real quick you have God you have God that's deep, isn't it? Y'all come all the way here. This will be my last message in my 30, 40th year of preaching here. But you have God. And I got a verse for it Psalm 73, verse 25. Psalm 73, verse 25. This is another verse that would be good to memorize. 73, 25. It says, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides thee. Folks, listen. He's saying, God's necessary but he's all you need. He's all you need. He says, "Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides thee." When you come to that point, you can be satisfied with Jesus. You can be satisfied with him. And then number 3, let me just give you this real quick, is that uh, folks, you have friends. You have friends. You know I'm so I'm so I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for the unity of this church. I'm so thankful for the love of this church. As far as I know, everybody loves each other. As far as I know. Now, I might not know anything, and y'all might all hate each other. This side might not like this side. I don't know. This side's neutral. They don't care whether you like each other or not. I don't know. I don't think so. I think I'd know it, and I think I'd sense it, and I think the Holy Spirit would be quenched in such a way that we'd know it. But I love friends, and I love family. And I love the feel of coming to this church and knowing I'm loved and I love you. And that we're here for one reason, because we love God. Now, isn't that wonderful? And folks, where would you be without God? And Where would you be without God's church? I think it would be rather lonely. How many years did you, did you, did you, did you waste? With the things of the world, the only thing you had to do is pick up a paper and watch an NFL on Sunday, and that's depressing, because usually your team lost and the news is bad. When you come to church and get encouraged, exhorted, that's ought to be our attitude. You say, "Well, nobody encourages me, no more exhorts you." Let me let me try. Let me give you this: if you if you'll have a number one goal of exhorting others, you'll be exhorted. If you have a number one goal to minister, you'll be ministered unto. But if you come to get, and not to get, to give, to get, then you will be totally miserable, no matter what church you join. So we have friends. We have family. And then last but not least, I don't have time to go into this, but we have wisdom. We have wisdom. Proverbs chapter 3 says, above all you're seeking, you ought to seek wisdom. And then when you, when you uh, we got to read this. And when you find wisdom, you found it. Look at Proverbs 3.13 real quick. we got four four minutes. I'm just adding time all around. Look at this. uh, I'm not preaching next Wednesday. Probably will be preaching four or five times. But I want you to look at Proverbs 3.13. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared to her. Folks, wisdom is a gift from God. What is wisdom? Wisdom is looking at this world through God's eyes. It's just seeing the opportunity to minister when you feel like dying. It's seeing that God's on the throne and that He's present and He'll never leave you or forsake you and praise God His... He is—he's not only necessary. Last slide, but praise God, He is enough. How many of you agree with that? God is enough, and the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 that He'll never leave you or forsake you. But the Bible says before that, let your conversation—and uh, that means lifestyle—be without covetousness. And folks, that's restating the tenth commandment. Don't covet, don't, don't, don't desire something somebody else has got. And it says, then he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. See, the cure for covetousness and the cure of being despondent is Jesus. And realizing he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And what he's given you, your, he's given himself, he's given you a family. Uh, he's given you a dear wife. He's given you a dear husband. He's given you a church family, and he's given you the greatest purpose on this earth—to glorify Him. J. Paul Getty—I know y'all have heard of J. Paul Getty. He was the richest man that ever lived for a while, and he had a estate that exceeded four billion dollars. That was in '81. Four billion, not million, billion. And I don't even know what a billion is. I think it's 100 million. Is that correct? How many? I'm telling you, a 1,000 million. I can't even fathom that. I can't even fathom 1 million, can you? 1,000 is so big to me, praise God. But he had 4 billion. You know, a billion a billion's, uh not what it used to be, but it's still a billion. And he had an estate that he seeded $4 billion. He wrote this in his autobiography. And it was quoted in the Los Angeles Times in 1981. This is what he said. He said, I've never been given to envy except for envying, I feel, for those who have the ability to make a marriage work and endure happy, happily. It is an art that I have never been able to master. My record, <clears throat> five marriages, five divorces. In short, five failures, billions of dollars, but he didn't have a happy home, and he died broke, as far as spiritually speaking, and he was rich, but he wasn't blessed. I'm just saying this, friend, God has blessed you, and the only way to be satisfied is know he's blessed you to be a blessing, and he's blessed you to bless his holy name. I want to close with this illustration that I read uh, today and uh, it touched my heart and I had the same thing happen to me at McDonald's so I want to give it to you. There was a guy, a pastor friend that was talking to a U.S. congressman <clears throat> this congressman said Pastor, I'm going to tell you what, I, what God taught me about giving about stewardship because these three Wednesday nights have been on stewardship managing what God's giving you life And he said, I took my son to McDonald's when he was real young. And my son wanted a a large French fry. Amen. And McDonald's fries, you know, they're almost uh, cornered the market on those things, haven't they? And he said, I brought him a large pack of fries. We had a father-son fellowship around those fries. So we went to sit down at the table and he said, I got to smelling those French fries. I had the same thing happen to me with my grandchildren. Started smelling those french fries. And you know how those french fries smell when they're hot. And so he said, I just thought I would have two of them. And so he said, I reached over the congressman now and started to get a couple that my boy boy put his hand on my hand and said, these are mine. And he said, that just went right through him. He said, and I thought, my son has a bad attitude. Then he said, in a moment, in less than time than it takes to tell, tell it, God had spoken to my heart, and God had given me one of the greatest lessons about stewardship I've ever learned. Here was a lesson. He said, I thought three things about my son. Number one, he evidently forgotten where those French fries came from. Number two, he doesn't understand that I have the power to take them from him. Amen. Or if I wanted to, I could go buy Twenty more packs. I got the money in my billfold. I could buy twenty more big fries and bury them in French fries if I wanted to. But he said, thirdly, I wanted more fry. He said, I wanted more fries for myself. If I wanted more fries for myself, I've got the money to go up and buy them and sit at another table and eat all of them myself. I didn't do that. And if I wanted to, my son has an attitude problem. It's a bad one. And God said to me, no, that's exactly the attitude you have sometimes, sir. You need to remember where these blessings have come from. I'm the one who gave you these things. And you need to understand, secondly, that I have the power to take them from you or, give them, or, or, or to give you more. And you need to understand, thirdly, I don't need your French fries. I don't don't have to have them, but what I want is your fellowship. I don't have to have them, but I came down to rescue you from sin and give my life for Jesus, and then you say, it's my life, that's my time, that's my priority, and we take back and we almost slap the hand of the giver saying, don't touch My fries. And we forget who bought those fries. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this lesson on contentment and satisfaction. Lord, we want the fellowship with thee more than anything. We don't want anything to hinder it. We want to teach our children to give and show love and, and be thankful for all the blessings that money can't buy. Lord I pray dear God that you'd help us to have a gift of holy contentment that we're a satisfied customer (laughs) that we're satisfied with thee and we'll never be completely satisfied until we wake into your likeness but Lord until then help us to learn to be thankful help us to learn to give and help us to learn, learn to love even those that hurt us and God help us to learn that you'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us.